So the boys went back to school. How were the couple of days they were there for? And do you know what the first thing I did after I've dropped them off at school? So this is the first time we've been in the house with no children for, what, three months? First child-free time in the house. (laughs) I cleaned the fridge. Oh, great work. You just reminded me I need to do that, actually. How was it? Was it satisfying? But It was. And and a few of my friends were like, what do you mean you clean the fridge? You, you don't have children for a few hours and you went home and cleaned the fridge. And I was trying to explain that it's not something you can do when you have children saying, mum, mummy, mum, mummy, mum, mummy, mum, mummy, mum. It's not, it's not conducive to kind of cleaning. The, and I'm, I mean a proper, a proper deep cleaner yeah. fridge. No, that's But I'm totally on board with that. I think that's a great idea. What a way to get something done. A lot of my friends thought, they said you had you could do anything. But at the same time, you can't really do anything because yeah. there's still not really anything to do. So I'd been out for, I'd, I'd done my run anyway. So that, and we're still in a, a sort of semi-lockdown state. So there wasn't too much to do. So I cleaned the fridge. Um, in terms of school, it was, it was great. Very organized, small group, took the temperature and you're thinking, please don't have a temperature at the school gate. And then I I nearly got scared because they have this little um, little area from the school gates to the front door, a little sort of roundabout, and they, they walk around it. They follow these little yellow footsteps. And there's a few teachers and teaching assistants waiting just to make them feel, you know, welcome back, lovely to see you. And they're wearing gloves, mask, and uh, some kind of, um, it's not proper PPE, it's not the medical type, but a, an apron that you might wear for sort of when they're painting or something, not to get messy. Right. So we're walking and I thought, I'll take the boys to the door. It's the first day and off we go. And suddenly this this woman jumps out from behind a tree wearing all this stuff and says, hi, boys, lovely to see you. And I nearly screamed because out of nowhere <laughs> from this bush, this woman appears. The boys very casually turn around and go, hi, miss, whoever it was. I'm thinking, you can't go jumping out at children wearing all that stuff. <laughs> but but they weren't phased. I was like, who is that? And they're like, oh, that's whoever it was. And if I had known, because they provide every day, there's different activities. They can't, apart from the twins, obviously can be near each other. They can't really go that close. It's the social distancing with other children. And the school supply, they call it a grab bag. Right. It's like a sandwich, uh-huh, yeah. an orange and a cookie. If I had known that an egg mayonnaise sandwich and an orange is all I had to do for lunch the past three months, <laughs> it would have saved me a lot of time and money. I cannot tell you how excited they were about this sandwich and orange. And they said, they put mayonnaise with the egg. And I was like, you do know I do that. And that that's how I do it. No, but this is different. It was amazing. So... That, you know, it d- doesn't take a lot to make them happy. But it's always better when it's not from home. That's the All thing. Right. It's like if you go to your <laughs> friend's house. No, but this is how it was when I was a kid. A lot of love goes into my sandwiches. Yeah, I know, but this is how uh, this is how it was when I was a kid. I was like, I'd eat the exact same meal at a friend's house and it was 10 times better than it was at home. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. The, the in-depth detail of, of the sandwich and the sandwich selections. But no, it was, it was great. They loved seeing their friends. One of them has a new best friend. I think it was only because his old best friend wasn't there. They enjoyed it. They were looking forward to going back the next day, which they did. I think they're quite glad it's not every day. They're looking forward to it already. Like, when can we go back to school? And I was thinking, I totally forgot, but who did you have to win the French Open this year? Oh, gosh. Well, Nadal, (laughs) I think. Oh, no, maybe unless I picked team. I think I may have picked team. (gasps) 
I've been yeah, robbed. I, I was thinking you may have picked team. <laughs> it, uh, well, I think it's going to happen at some point. He's going to, but it was the French Open final yesterday, and and how weird is it that it not happening? This new normal is just is just normal. But I, it would have been yesterday the final of the French Open. We would have all been over there. We would have been. We're doing this day on Monday. We'd have been coming back on the Monday, having had those what over two weeks out there. It's it's crazy to think that the the French Open has come and gone. I know. Onto the grass, we move quickly. I, I kind of, I don't know. It, it, I'm not really keeping up to date with kind of where I am mentally because the events aren't happening. So I kind of still feel like we've got the whole clay to play. And then I remind myself that we're in June and <laughs> it's it's very, very strange. But um, but as I was saying, when it comes to, say, somebody like Dominic Team, I do think that this break will affect different people differently, essentially, because there are some people who are poised for great things. And this could have been his year. It could have been his year to get over the line of the slam. I mean, the amount of gap that he closed in 2019 was absolutely huge. Um, and then also driven on by the likes of Medvedev and, and Tsitsipas as well there. And Zverev, of course, um, getting himself back in the game up at the top end. And yeah, it was kind of, it was, I know people have been saying it every year, haven't they? Oh, this will be the, this will be the year when the next gen finally win a slam. But it really was looking like team in particular was absolutely poised and had done all of the work. So I hope that that ground hasn't been lost because I would say that in terms of taking extended periods of time off and coming back, I really believe the more experienced you are, the better you're going to be at doing that, being able to come back at a good level. We know Serena's very good at it. We know Roger Federer is very good at it. Nadal is also pretty experienced with it. Um, for the young guys, we know they play a lot more tournaments because they need that freshness, that sharpness. They they need it to be kind of in their system. So it'll be really interesting to see how things shake out when we get underway. And we could be getting underway with a couple of grand slams right off the bat. So maybe I'm wrong and that this hasn't affected Dominic's team's, Dominic team's chances and that this will maybe increase everybody's chances at uh, having a pop at the big guys. It was interesting. Someone was talking to me today about the French Open about Roland Garros and and did I think it would happen and and for me I'm just I'm just waiting on what's going to happen with the US Open because I think that is going to set the tone for what could be the back end of the season if the US Open happens and they get everything in place then I'm pretty sure that Roland Garros will happen unless there was a second wave, which we haven't seen so far of this virus. So for me, people, a lot of people talking to me about the French Open because they're starting to think, will we travel? Do we need to make plans? But it's about getting an announcement from the USTA. Because I, I don't know about you, but for me, that will shape any kind of season that we're going to have in 2020. Yeah, and you know that every tournament is looking at that as the decision as to how will then that affect everything else. Because I think if you were losing more than one grand slam this year it makes it a little bit difficult when it comes to the o2 the last eight at the o2 that we haven't had at least three grand slams kind of go ahead so the points i mean i suppose you would still just have to take the top eight but would it be as meaningful as it would be on other years who knows especially if we lost french open as well and we were just based off one grand slam and a few tournaments seems a bit bizarre to to take that forward but uh, yeah, look, it's it's fingers crossed. And I 
kind of wrongly assumed, and I didn't realise this, I think, until about this week, I wrongly assumed that everybody was kind of thinking like me, because, I mean, that's a terrible assumption to make anyway. <laughs> it's, just, it's not a good starting point anyway. But uh, as in, I just want tennis. I almost, I don't really even care how it happens. So the the talk of crowd, no crowd, entourage, no entourage, less line judges, all of these things, we were mentioning them last week in the pod, they of course need to be discussed and they need to be thrashed out. But ultimately, if the US Open came up with a way which they have been doing they've been kind of coming up with these models and saying this is an option if they came up with an option that was like okay do you know what new york government have said this is okay we say this is okay it seems like it's safe everybody is able to get to the tournament let's do it i just assumed that 100 percent of people would be on board but i've discovered that's not the case because people have been piping up saying well no I don't think I'd want to do that and and this is interesting because we've we've got some quotes from Dan Evans who's been speaking to the BBC today and we got some quotes from Novak Djokovic and these come from these points set out by the US Open now nothing is set nothing is confirmed they say look middle to end of June they hope to be able to give an answer is it going to happen isn't isn't it going to happen but they are working to what happening same time, same place as every year, but a few of the points they've said. So and nothing is set in stone. Before traveling to New York City, players would need proof of a negative COVID-19 test, then a combination of daily health questionnaires, daily temperature checks, and some nasal or saliva antibody testing. Charter flights would be used with players coming in together from certain cities. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> the UK is not on that list of where people could fly <laughs> in from yet. But there are other places that people could get flights from. The big sticking point seems to be entourages not allowed. Maybe one person with the players and the tournament would provide the physios and, and the masseurs. Fewer line judges, adult ball children, which for me is as, as a question mark, over it no fans because they realize and I know we were talking about this before that they said look we wouldn't play one behind closed doors but I think they've looked at it and the tv revenues would make it worth it without not having the fans there but saying that last year I saw the stat 850,000 people attended the U.S. Open site from the week before the main draw to the final wow it's a lot of people isn't it <laughs> Well, they'll all be watching at home, so that's fine. They'll still be involved. They'll still get to see it. Yeah, exactly. But the big thing, I mean, for me, the first thing about, I don't know if, about the adult board children and they're doing this. (laughs) Adult board children. Adult adult board children. (laughs) What is an adult child? Adult, but what is it? An adult ball kid. Adult ball. They're called ball kids. Oh, Ball person. Ball person. person. Adult ball person. I've had adult ball people before. It just doesn't sound right. It doesn't adult ball person. But I think the interesting thing in all this, and I understand, you know, they're saying with safety, but it's interesting that it seems that children and the younger generation, part of the reason I've sent the boys back to school is because this virus doesn't affect them as seriously in the main, largely. And yet it's more likely to affect adults than it is Mm. children which is why we are seeing schools go back because they're saying look the children need to get out there and the virus doesn't of course there are exceptions but doesn't seem to affect them as much but the US Open saying it'll be adult ball people but the people (laughs) adult ball would is that 
because should they be at school at that time? I don't know when schooling starts for the US because they might be thinking they've missed a lot of school. Let's not pull them out for two weeks. Or or the other problem when it comes with using ball kids is that parents need to come pick them up. So you get double the amount of people around. Whereas if you just use adults, they get themselves there and they can look after themselves. You also need to have chaperones for the children and all this sorts of stuff. So I think it probably just decreased the numbers. Uh, You see, that's that's, that's why there's you and I on this podcast because that's a lot of sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. That if you're an, I was about to say if you're an adult ball child again if you're an adult ball person it just doesn't sound right if you're an adult ball person you can just turn up do it and leave but if you've got the younger people as you say they need a little bit of extra but anyway that that isn't the point that's just for me that isn't yeah. the point that's the issue for you <laughs> not having it no no one I am not gonna go so no no one has been talking about that it is about the the entourages it is about Novak Djokovic's response he's been speaking and he believes the measures to be extreme and to me none of I don't know to you are any of those and and, because he said look we can't we won't be able to go into Manhattan we'll be staying all together in a hotel at the airport and then obviously the the testing etc I from what we have been through going through across the globe with this I don't know, do, do those measures, just those measures, do they feel extreme? Well, I just think it's whatever it takes to get it off the ground. And you could always, always maybe relax measures as things go along because everything's changing so quickly. So they might get the okay from the New York state that, yes, we can go ahead with these measures in place. Uh, and they might get the okay you know, towards the end of June, as they were saying. And then by the time they get to the end of July, they might say, okay, actually, you can have a few more people in your entourage or you can do this. They'll probably have priorities as to what can kind of be relaxed as we go along but we need to know that it's happening that's it and I just think surely anything that you can do to to get this off the ground within reason with without slashing the draw in half and without having 40% of the players that can't get there because they're from countries that aren't allowed to fly in and all that sort of stuff I think within reason as long as the actual tennis tournament isn't that affected then I think you you do what you can. But if you get... So Novak Djokovic is saying that capping support teams is impossible. And he said, you need your coach, your physio and your fitness trainer. Now, there'll be a lot of players going there that might only travel with a coach and say, look, I'm in, I'm there, it's going to be absolutely fine. But if Novak Djokovic is saying that he won't go unless that's relaxed, but you cannot relax that for some and not for others. You either relax it completely. They can't go saying, okay, if you're in the top whatever you can bring x y and z but everyone else you can only bring x the trouble is is that the grand slams have a history of doing that and there are different rules for top eight seeds and grand slam champions you get more practice time you get more priority over practice courts you have priority over loads of things i think you even do get more tickets and more members of your entourage that's just kind of how it goes at wimbledon you have an entirely separate dressing room for the top eight seeds and former champions so they do get special treatment. So I can kind of, I don't agree with him, but I could kind of under, I actually know to be fair to him, he hasn't asked for special treatment. He's just said that he doesn't want to do that. But, but there's getting some extra practice time and some extra tickets and there's being allowed to bring your whole team while the person you're playing has only been allowed to bring their coach. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, I think they do have to try and keep it as a blanket rule 
across and as you were saying before and something I hadn't thought about until you brought it up a couple podcasts ago is that you could bring all of your team to New York they just have to stay they just couldn't come on site but then I was thinking about that when this was laid out and Novak Djokovic was being as strong as yours they probably wouldn't be allowed visas into the country because remember they are chartering one of the suggestions is they are chartering flights so it'll be a tennis player's flight and X is sitting next to Y and they're all tennis players. So you can't you can't go sneaking on your physio. You can't go sneaking on your fitness trainer. But this is the bit that I've got the issue with. This is a chartered flight. Is I don't understand logistically how that's going to work. So they'll obviously pick some cities that they would charter flights from, but then yep. not everybody lives in the same city. Even all of the Brits don't live all in London. I think what they're saying is we would tell you the cities that you've got to get. So if, if Charles de Gaulle in, in Paris was one of those, they'd just say to the Brits, you've just got to get yourself to Charles de Gaulle and, and this is the plane that you get onto New York. But it's so unnecessary. It's unnecessarily spreading the virus once again. If people have a risk of transmitting the virus and traveling around the world it's just extra countries it's like saying well new zealand you can fly from new zealand so then everybody's got to get to new zealand and bring in whatever <laughs> bugs and viruses and if they do have covid bring it with them pootle around the airport spread it around use the loose do all of that and then go on a plane like it doesn't make any sense i i, I don't understand that i don't understand how they're going to charter entire planes and if they say okay you've got to come from paris so the whole of europe have got to get to paris I think they'd have quite a few, from from what I looked at, there were quite a few places you could fly from, but obviously the UK is not in there at the moment, but there were quite (laughs) a few places where people could get flights to get to New York. But I imagine, as we all know, going to the US, people largely need visas, it would be that you couldn't sneak your team in. That's but it makes. But, but I, I just. I, I'm sorry. I've got a bugbear about this chartered flights thing because <laughs> it's not going to work. So say you're Card Edmund, right? British player. You yep. want to go to New York. You want to go yep. to US Open. Okay. I think all of those things are probably going to happen. Um, and he's living in London. I don't know if he's at home in Beverly or not, but he probably is training in in London. They have said that we're they're not putting on chartered flights flights from London because I don't know whatever their reasons are. So he has to get somewhere else. Like, surely the risk of putting on a chartered flight from London is that the British players are at greater risk of having the virus because our numbers aren't as good as the rest of Europe. So you just... It just doesn't make any sense. You're just then getting the British players to then come But that goes with them saying that they would need a certificate, proof of a negative COVID-19 test. So yeah, but you can take a negative COVID-19 test and by the time you get the results back, you could have caught it because it takes a few days to get the results back. You need, like To be sure that you, aren't, you do not have COVID, you have to have the test every single day because you could just pick it up straight away. You could, you could pick it up as you're doing the test from the person who's doing the test for you. Like it, it, I don't understand. The, look, I'm not trying to deflate the whole US Open is going to go ahead, but the chartered flights thing... I can understand them trying to ease some pressure, but I don't think they can say that. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, everybody's got to get to somewhere. It's just unnecessary travel and excess travel for people because it's not just the Brits. There are other countries that are struggling as well. A lot of the South American players are coming from countries where uh, you know they're struggling with their numbers. And if we're still a bit behind when it comes to that time, I just, so what are they, 
they're still going to have to travel to get to somewhere, to get on a flight to get to New York. Ultimately, they're still coming from an area that has high numbers and going to New York. I don't see how that's any better. It's not no better. I don't get it. I'm so confused. <laughs> so, so initially, I had a bull person issue, but what you said made total sense. So that's not an issue anymore. You have a chartered flight issue, and Novak Djokovic has a I want my entourage issue. Yeah, which definitely is not the main issue, Novak. Right. <laughs> Adding to this discussion, debate, whatever it turns out to be, Dan Evans, who was speaking to Five Live about Novak Djokovic coming out saying, I think these measures are extreme. I cannot travel with just my coach. Uh, The quote from Dan Evans was, I think the players should really come together and Novak and Rafa should be looking to help those players with lower ranks. I don't think having just a coach with you is a good enough reason not to be going to a tournament. Yeah, so I think, is he pulling them up because didn't Rafa say that he didn't have any desire to go back well no right but but to be fair to to Nadal he said at the moment so yes. Nadal is he's very I mean he's always quite careful with how he said look at the moment do I have the desire no and Ash Barty's even said look right now you know she said I have to think of of my team and what's best for all of us so I think they were more like at the moment if you ask me to decide ah, it's, it's going to be difficult because of everything that's happening whereas Novak Djokovic was like these measures are extreme and I couldn't do it if that was happening. I mean, I can see what, what, what Dan is saying. I, I suppose it seems like, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it seems like the angle he's getting at is that if Rafa and Djokovic and people decided that they just weren't going to play, would that prevent the tournament from going ahead? Because would that impact TV rights and that sort of thing if you haven't got the big stars? And the big stars always bang on about how much money they bring into the sport and how they are the focus. So... I suppose Evans is kind of saying, well, if you don't support the tournament, you're not supporting us being able to play. And I think also the suggestion that this and and Jim Courier, it was a great quote from Jim Courier. He he said, look, when it comes to the, the Grand Slam, that's what that's what keeps the lights on. That's what pays the bills. And that's what we've talked about. And you said when you were playing, you know, those four Grand Slams, they are absolutely essential. We had Australia. Wimbledon was cancelled for this year. Roland Garros is still due to happen at the end of the year. So, and maybe Dan Evans is also saying, well, look, hang on, you guys might not need whatever prize money it is, but for the lower rank guys, this is this is what's paying the bills. This is what's paying the mortgage. Yeah, and let's be honest, they they have to shell out huge amounts of money and expenses for travelling coaches and S&C trainers and physios in general. I think that most players rank behind, below definitely 30 maybe 20 well wouldn't even if you said they could bring whoever they want they just don't have the money in the bank to be able to do that to pay for flights and accommodation and a salary of a coach of a strength and conditioning coach of a physio and the normal expenses that they would have because it's kind of a rolling sort of situation and they might end up going on their own or only with one person anyway so I don't think it will be really affecting those people at all but obviously for Djokovic doesn't have that issue I can understand you know you want your own physio But that is actually a luxury because every tournament you go to, they provide physios for you to use, totally free of charge. They're there, they're paid for by the tournament. You can use them whenever you want. And if you have enough money, you can bring your own physio. Sometimes federations bring their own physios to work with all of the French players or all of the the Brits or whatever it might be. But ultimately, that is a massive luxury that the majority of players do not have. They use the physios on site and... And that's it. You have a different physio every day 
And that's just the way it is. They are excellent physios. And a little bit of the response to this, people saying, well, well, how can he say that, has been with Dan Evans saying, look, these guys have got to pull together to help us. And the other side of this that's come out on, on social media is, well, hang on, it's, it's Novak Djokovic that has put forward a proposal to get a fund together to help all the other players. So it's kind of sparked, it sparked this debate off again, saying, well, hang on a second, this is the guy. And yes, he's comfortable in terms of his wealth, but has been trying to get other people to donate. So tennis players will have some funding in this time that we're, that time that we're not playing tennis. So is it, is it slightly unfair of Dan Evans to say, well, not calling them out as such, but saying, well, come on, these guys have got to pull together to help us. I, I, I totally understand what Dan is saying, but I just... I don't think it's entirely fair to kind of really pick on Djokovic for what he's saying because all Djokovic is saying is that I don't want to travel with only one person in my team. And that's his own personal choice. He has the luxury of having loads of cash at his disposal and having the team with him all of the time. Uh, And I think Dan's choice of words in terms of saying that him and the, the top guys need to band together to help us, I think is wrong because, as you mentioned, they have already... Uh, done a huge amount to help and Djokovic is not doing this to hinder anything if the tournament didn't go ahead because Djokovic and Nadal and Federer and Serena and all these players decided they didn't want to play I don't think that's necessarily their responsibility if they if somebody's not comfortable traveling in within the parameters set out and not comfortable competing and performing and working within the restrictions set out then I think you have to give it to them that it's it's up to them really i i just want it to be the situation that everybody's able to get there and to play i don't want it to be the situation that there are certain players or people from certain nations that aren't able to get to a certain tournament because i think that becomes really difficult but as long as everybody's able that i'm sure there will be some people who say i'm just not comfortable doing it and you get, look it's getting a whole bunch of very different people different stages of their lives their careers their their wealth, their earnings. And I understand the people who've got the health concerns because this was a a pandemic that took over the world and they want to stay safe and and keep their family and friends safe. So I understand that. I also understand the players that that want to earn money and want to salvage something from 2020. Look, hey, I'd love to be working on a US Open if it took place. But at the same time, if it doesn't, I understand the reasons it's not taking place. So do you know what I mean? I I can see everyone has a valid point in here. And I think because Novak Djokovic said, oh, these are extreme. I can't just bring my coach. Everyone's like, oh, he can't just bring his coach. But it's it's going to be interesting to see much how much weight these guys have got in terms of if they said they were not going to go, would that be the end of the tournament? Or does the USTA think it's a shame you're not here, but we are still going to stage this. We're going to get the TV revenue. We're going to have a tournament that takes place. Yeah, I'm sure they would still put the tournament on. But... Uh, yeah, I, so I don't know. I've been, if I if I were a player and looking to go to US Open like, like Dan is, I'd just say, all right, if Novak doesn't want to play, pff, great. Novak's not in the draw. Actually, yeah, look, look at it as a <laughs> that positive. That is a great move. <laughs> We've got no defending champion Nadal. We've got no Novak Djokovic thinking, right, this this could be my year, 2020. Yeah, Fed feeling a bit injured. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Oh, wow. Cruise this is the well, year. You have to beat a seed. It'd be unbelievable. Uh, this is the Team year. Team will definitely win. And I don't have to pay extra for a physio or a fitness trainer because I can't take them. So <laughs> this this could be the year to be at the USO. And, and watch it. Look, we're all watching and waiting to see the decision. But the people 
with a real interest in this have to be Roland Garros, have to be the FFT in the French Open. And I read an article that tournament director Guy Forger did with Chris Clary for the New York Times. And and Forger is sort of standing by the, look, it was, it was the right thing for us to do, to see this window and to take this window. And it, the likely dates are what, 27th of September to 11th of October. But they are now watching and waiting because as you said, I think you said last week, didn't you, that if the US Open happens, that's the test case. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure a lot of things will have to be ironed out. Um, but I'm sure it'll be a different situation in Paris. It's, am I right in saying there's a lot less space on site just for volume of people than there is in New York? Yes, and it, and it, and, it, and the French Open, it, I mean, it's got larger in, in recent years. We've had the new court that, that's open. It's just stretched it out. There's more space than there's ever been at Roland Garros but yet it, it feels it feels quite compact when you're yeah. there um, yeah French and Wimbledon are both the kind of the two smallest events size wise I think they're probably feeling fairly optimistic that there'll be a way around it but I don't know whether they're able to do it with no crowd either it seems like it's completely impossible that the US Open or the French Open would happen with a full crowd it just seems like that's never in a million years happening so do you do a reduced crowd do you like? I mean, how do you do no crowd? How do you do it? I know in football they've been playing matches with no crowd and they've been playing crowd noise on the TV, <laughs> so it kind of seems like there's a crowd there. And putting cardboard cutouts yes, of fans, exactly. <laughs> that just be a little oh, bit weird. That'll be like the year I went to Wimbledon and they were filming the film Wimbledon. Oh yes, and all the dummies <laughs> were in the seat. There were all these dummies with masks on. It was the creepiest thing ever. Yeah, I, I remember when you told me that. I, that that is so creepy. And imagine walking out there and no one's out there yet, as in no living persons out there. And you're just surrounded by dummies wearing masks. Yeah, it was really scary. And my coach sat down in one of the seats and I like, just, just genuinely couldn't find him. So I just don't know where you've gone. I, I think I'd rather there just was nothing there. I mean, yeah, I, look, the US Open, if it goes ahead, it won't have fans. It can't have fans. That Look, if they're taking all these extreme measures to get the players in, they're not just going to let fans wander in and have a little wander around. Guy Forge at one point said uh, they're obviously... They're not sure how things will look by the time you get to late September, but he was suggesting maybe it's one fan for every three seats or, or something just to so get... So then it'll just be like the lunchtime matches. <laughs> yeah. <they're>... Because <laughs> the French crowd tend to be down to about one one in three when it comes to lunch or champagne time or whatever it is that they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they, they've, they've really said, look, we, we, we can't envisage it going ahead with, with no fans on site but I, I think the other thing for me is it, I think Joel Drucker for the Tennis Channel did a really interesting piece about playing Roland Garros in late September October because we've joked about the fact it's going to be freezing <laughs> it's, it's going to be so cold but he was talking about the the less hours you have of, of sunlight the more rainfall and the fact that clay is affected so much by the environment and you go from playing it in May and June to late September early October yeah, I mean, there's obviously, there's a difference in clay throughout the day, let alone from day to day, hour to hour, how it dries out. It's it's completely different. So I don't personally think that it's a big deal in any way. Like, yeah, it's going to be on the slower side, but mainly because of the conditions, it's going to be cooler in the air. We're probably not going to have many hot days. But we've had French Opens in recent years that have just been cold just not been very nice and we've had some that have been gloriously sunny and it's been a beautiful spring day and and it that's just how it goes we've had Wimbledon 
where the courts have been rock hard and pretty much cracking by the end because we've just had an entire heat wave the, the two weeks. We've had others where it's just been rain, 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 rain the whole time. Completely changes the grass. So I don't think it's anything new. It's just that we are more likely to have a cooler, damper, slower Roland Garros than we would have if it was being played in the spring but we could 100% get a slow cool damp Roland Garros in the spring and we've had it before so I don't think it's anything new but it's gonna be interesting if the likes of Roger Federer who wasn't going to play it this year in its original slot because he's come back from injury they're not conditions that he's going to enjoy if he's up fit and running does he play Roland Garros because we know that the Labour Cup has been postponed cancel for this year will take place next year so does someone like Roger Federer who had a, a really good reason before to say well firstly I'm not going to play I want to get ready for the grass and then this year I'm not going to play because I've had an operation I'm getting back what reason could he give for not playing this year well going from US Open to French Open so quickly best of five sets from hard to clay you know we know his body has been having some struggles not massively to be fair it's still completely remarkable what he's able to achieve but changing surfaces is very challenging and going quickly we know that the French Open to Wimbledon is a very quick change and that is multiple weeks in the middle this will not have multiple well, it, it might still they might move things but um, I don't know how much later they, they can push it with November French Open <laughs> seems a oh, bit of a stretch come on that's cold <laughs> that's cold and dark yeah <laughs> let's, what are we, come on you can't <laughs> squeeze in too much I know the clay court tournaments are like we want to get in there but come on you know we've got to be realistic at some point I think sunset, I think holding it late September, early October, you lose two hours of, of daylight. I think it, yeah, I think at around seven o'clock. And you've got this year, remember, there are eight courts that will have lights. And they were going to, for the first time this year, the match would finish under lights, but they're not, they're not going to start. They want this year, they're not going to start matches after eight o'clock with lights, but they've just got the lights to enable them to finish matches if they need them. Exactly, because they were bringing in night sessions anyway before any of this happened. They were That's what they were going to move to. Look, every consideration is on the table. I think even changing the scoring system, we know that all the slams have different scoring system. The French is you know, the one remaining as it is that it can go on and on and on and on. on. And if you are losing two hours of light a day, is that necessary? Because you know Benoit Pair is going to be there. <laughs> it's going to be 15 all. It's going to be 8 p.m. It's going to be dark. <laughs> the crowd are going to be loving it. Well, if there is any crowd. Imagine if there's no crowd. How will Benoit Pair play? <laughs> You've just got to look at every option. And I think the people... I, I don't mind the players like Djokovic saying, do you know what? That rule, not for me. I don't like it, I'm not comfortable with it, and I don't want to do it. So I can totally understand that. Um, and if Federer said, do you know what, clay, that time of year, heavy, horrible, probably going to get injured after US Open, not for me. Totally understand it. But in terms of getting up in arms about things, so say they did decide to change the scoring system and said, you know what, we're going to match Wimbledon, 12-all tiebreak, because we can't have, we just can't have these epics. We just don't have the room in the schedule for it. I think that players have just got to go, okay, like, okay, whatever you need to get your tournament running so that we can come and play, we'll do it. Uh, and I think that's, that's, you just kind of got to go with it. We just want to play. We want to play before the end of the year. There's a chance that we can. Uh, there's also a chance that we can't. I'm feeling your positivity though. I like. I think. I think as the weeks go on, you are getting more and more positive. Yes. And do you know what? I actually came up with this <laughs> week a pitch to help 
everybody. So US Open have decided uh, no ball kids, ball people instead, ball persons. Adults, yeah. Adults, right? Totally fine. On board with it. Now, whoever's handling the balls, we don't want lots of people to have all of their hands all over the balls. So... (laughs) I was in. I was walking my dog this morning. And, I don't know, you know where this is. I haven't got a clue where this is going. People, <laughs> people are in the park and they've got those ball slingers. You know the plastic things. Oh yes. And you just pop the ball in it and then you fling it because at the U.S. Open they just lob the balls around the ball. They're not like Wimbledon. Or they used to. That they. they they have to roll them now, don't they? Remember last year, they have to roll yeah, them. Yeah, but now. I prefer to just to chuck them around. It's fine. I, I remember I used to get so taken aback that a ball kid would come and just pick up a ball next to me and then just launch it down the other end. <laughs> it was great. But no, we could have like, well, which, which tournament do we have the scoops? Yeah, I, it's, scoops. it's exactly what I was just thinking. So the you little... could do the lacrosse little yep. net scoops. You could... Um, use the sling, the ball slingers. And the third option, I think this might be the most popular option, uh, is use dogs because they can't get COVID. So they dogs. can pick up the balls. Yeah, dogs. but they can, but they can, but didn't someone say that they can, if they were saying don't go patting dogs if you see them in the park because they could carry, they could still carry it. Well, yeah, they're a hard surface, aren't they? So if I sneeze on Sven. And which, you... I, which I hope you don't anyway. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if I were to sneeze and cough and splutter all over Sven and you were then to, to pet but him. My course. my worry with the dogs is what if one goes rogue? What if, I don't know, so in Wimbledon, what if a, a pigeon lands on the court at US Open? What if what if something appears? That, because if there are no fans, the chances are we might get a bit of wildlife coming in because there are I no people there. Enough. And then what if a dog goes rogue and, and off it goes? I think that's fair enough. Okay, right, scratch the and dog. And what if it doesn't give the ball back or it punctures the ball? Have you have you thought about this? Dogs can't puncture tennis balls. Have you thought balls. about this carefully? No, okay, right. Dogs are out. <laughs> but the ball slinger thing, like, just just use that. You don't have to handle the balls at all. Or just give them their own tennis rackets and you can just, you know, they're, they're all relatively skillful people. No, but come on, there'd be balls everywhere. If everyone had a tennis racket, I mean... I just get confused. I mean, it's let's let's not. I think the scoopers are a good idea. Or I've always. Do you have one of those those dog ball slinger things? They must have well, a name. No, because I just throw it. Because from being a tennis player, I can throw the ball fairly far anyway. So I just I've throw it. I've always wanted I've always wanted to use to try. I don't have a dog. Yeah, uh, is that what it's called? Or have you just made that up? I think I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's Sling. just basically you can throw the ball just as far as you would normally, but with a lot less effort you just kind of flick it and it goes no but you can throw it further come on th- these things launch yeah you can i mean it's not a bazooka i mean you can get a bazooka <laughs> and just load up with tennis balls if you want like a proper ball machine but no no flingers don't flingers, flingers. i thought they were called slingers <laughs> well, I don't know. someone anyone if you've got a dog on one of these things tell us what it's called because yeah. we, I, I don't have a dog i really want to use one that now is not the climate to walk up to a stranger in the park and ask if i can use their thingy as it well, that sounds even worse but <laughs> <laughs> right you've given me another idea for a birthday present so <laughs> i'm going to go and continue planning that's i've never realized normally i haven't got a lot of time around the their birthday so you get everything done i've almost got too much time to make plans it's gonna be the best birthday ever yeah or I, but I, with no one there yeah it's gonna be <laughs> the best birthday that if you can only have six people and we're four that only two people can attend and if if you rule out the grandparents they're not going to be happy so uh so yeah, so a lot of planning still. So I'm going to go and I'm going to go and do some more planning. I know what you're going to be buying me. 
and I, I look forward to I'll probably speak to you before I see you yeah. but I do look forward to us actually working together seeing each other again yeah I know miss you I miss you <laughs> 